My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Etienne Lepage. It might initially seem to be a bit puzzling to suggest that there is much that's very interesting about a project focused on popularizing knowledge. After all, a significant proportion of the population these days has the opportunity to go to some kind of post-secondary educational institution. And many of us in North America today have at our fingertips access to quantities of knowledge that are unprecedented in human history, via our computers and tablets and phones. But the landscape of that knowledge and access to it are highly uneven, highly divided, and highly oriented towards reinforcing the dominance of knowledge that is either already dominant or is intensely non-threatening to the status quo. We have relatively few opportunities to come together in a deliberately social way to collaboratively develop critical tools for thinking about the world and to encounter knowledge that is in one sense or another marginalized or excluded or insurgent. Etienne Lepage is an organizer with UPOP Montreal, a université populaire, or a sort of grassroots, free, popular university that aims to create exactly that kind of space and to do so outside of restricted and often inaccessible formal academic contexts. Its founders were, at the time, mostly but not only students at the University of Quebec at Montreal, or UCAM, who built on two earlier experiments with similar but smaller scale ventures to launch UPOP about five years ago. And today, they are continuing to offer free courses in community-based contexts featuring a wide range of teachers and facilitators on a wide range of themes, ranging from things like feminism and critical understandings of the economy, to more specialized topics like the functioning of the brain or experiences of aging and dying in Montreal. They emphasize marginalized voices and perspectives, critical thinking, and broad accessibility. Lepage talks with me about the origins of the project, about the challenges they face, and about the importance of fostering critical learning and dialogue outside of formal university settings. We spoke by Skype to phone from Montreal. My name is Etienne Lepage, and day to day, I'm a writer, actually. I'm a playwright. I've been writing theater for quite a few years now, and I've met with the UPOP organization five years ago. And when I saw what they were doing, I really felt like I had to do this with them, that I had to participate in this way of being social, I think. And because being an artist is sometimes something that you keep to yourself and you present your stuff to people who are interested in, and I was lacking something, and I found it in the UPOP. And the UPOP, the Université Populaire, is this idea that knowledge should get out of university and not only stay there, and that we should be able to be together to exercise our critical sense and be open to everybody in a very free way. I think that really is important, and that really it gave me what was lacking in my day-to-day -day work of being an artist. It started, it was a bunch of students from UCAM, the Université du Québec à Montréal, 
And actually, they started a little temporary university inside the university during the 2007 strike so that people could stay informed and, you know, because everybody was on strike. So they decided that they wanted to continue to give classes and wanted to have people get involved and everything in the strike and give information and everything. So they started this little university that was at the time in 2007 called UPAM. And then the same person, more or less, decided to do another thing after that that was called La Nuit de la Philosophie, the Night of Philosophy. It was a night in the university again that was like a 24 hours where everybody could come and freely listen to anybody who wanted to talk about something, mostly students, graduate and teachers about philosophical topics and also in a way that not that you're not supposed to but it's not usual for the university as a format because usually you know it's a class you have to do homework it's not a very free way of exchanging knowledge la nuit de la philosophie was a pretty big thing it's unfortunate that i don't have the numbers with me but it was lots and lots and lots of presentations lots of people it was really popular so they created that event that was called the Nuit de la Philosophie, and they were taking, you know, all year long to organize it. And it was just gone in a blast. After 24 hours, it was over. So all these people who were mostly students from UCAM, they decided to create the UPOP to make it more long-lasting, to be able to have this idea of knowledge and free access to knowledge and out of the university and they wanted to be long-lasting all year long and everything. So that's how they started it. I was a good friend of them while they were creating the UPUP, and I joined them pretty quickly. So I was there at the beginning. I don't have the privilege to be one of these great persons that had the idea of founding it, but I had the privilege to be there from the beginning and to see that coming to life. Because of the way they built the Nuit de la Philosophie, they kind of already had a structure. They had contacts with teachers. They had also lots of organization skills and also funding. In the beginning, the UPOP was almost entirely financed by money coming from the student organizations that were basically the same that were funding the Nuit de la Philosophie in UCAM. So that's how it started. It really was kind of the same structure and they kind of used it to try to get out of the university. And the student organization decided to go with it because they thought, first of all, that these individuals creating UPOP were from their organization. There still were students at the time, so they thought it was okay to go on with the financing. And then after slowly all of them got out of university, they were all finishing what they were doing there, they still thought it was important because it was a way to promote the idea that social science are important and philosophy is important and stuff like that. And you know, in university, it's not like the sexiest program and it's not something we value much in our society. And basically, people think that hard science are good and human sciences are like for dropouts or I don't know what. So they stuck with us because they thought it was important and also, it was not only about giving services to students, it was also about promoting importance of these subjects out of university and to, let's say, open public. 
So that's how it worked in the beginning, and that's how the founders were able to get a structure and money to do what they wanted to do. Tell me more about the organizational structure that developed. It's basically a very horizontal, horizontal structure, which means everybody is together. Nobody has really a specific name or function. Everybody is an organizer. Of course, some of the people on the committee have some skills. So some people are better with taking care of the internet side, or some others are better to conceptualize the classes, or they have better contacts to go and ask people to do some specific courses on specific subjects and stuff like that. So everybody has strengths that we use. Everything works on consensus, so we always discuss all the subjects together. We do something like one meeting a month or something like that, and we talk almost every day on internet to, you know, take care of all the matters. Basically, the hardest part of it is the structural part of it, of the classes and the courses, because we need to find places. Of course, you but we like to present our classes in public spaces. So we go into bars, we go into libraries, into theaters, and all of that requires time to meet owners or directors of these places and ask them and explain them the idea. And then we need time to do the complex puzzle of the schedules and everything. So we end up doing lots of uh, gestion. <laughs> and then uh, what we try to do is to provide a platform or a place, a safe place, an open place, where people who have important things to say and interesting knowledge to discuss and interesting notions to criticize, we provide them with a space to do so. And we try to limit ourselves to giving them this space to make it safe and also to make it a place where you give space to the less commonly proposition. Because in the media, usually it's always the same speeches, it's always the same proposition. So, of course, we do a little discrimination, which is to choose what usually you don't hear everywhere. And how is any individual course structured? Usually, we have some courses that are over four or five sessions. It's every week or every two weeks. But then again, we are really like open to any different way of presenting the classes. So sometimes you have some people, they have lots to say and they want to do like 11 sessions or something. So if we feel that there's sufficient knowledge or sufficient stuff to say, it can go to, I think we had once that it was 12 sessions. And usually it's two-hour classes, and we always insist that there's a part that, of course, is more like presentation, somebody who has a knowledge and wants to give it to others who are listening. But we always insist that each session has a part where the public can participate. Because sometimes at UPUP we have some classes that are really technical or specific and that the person that comes to talk about it is really a specialist and everybody that comes to listen to it are really beginners. But sometimes that's not the way it goes. Sometimes people come, they want to talk about economic or they want to talk about a certain topic that lots of people come that they really know about it. They really know some stuff and they can share and they can give some other point of views and stuff like that. So we really insist that each session has half of it that is dedicated to talking, to listening to what the public has to say, exchanging and everything. 
And also we feel that if sometimes this part of the session is not always about giving information, it's not always only about going further, but it's also about participating. And we feel that in our society, there's not much space where people can express themselves in public together. There's not so much places where they can argue in a very constructive way together. And we feel that this is also part of UPUP to give the space where people can, you know, learn maybe again how to be together and how to listen to others and how to construct your ideas about the world not only by listening, but also by exchanging. Give me a sense of the range of topics that courses from UPOP have covered over the last number of years. We have five or six different orientations that we try to cover, if not on each session, at least on each two sessions, which are feminism, social science, economy, art and culture, politics, and hard science. On feminism, we had this great series which was called Révolution Féministe de la Chambre à coucher à l'économie de marché, which basically means the feminist revolution from the bed to the market. And it was really interesting because it was going through all the different topics that feminism addresses. It was really like introduction to feminism to make people learn about feminism and the different topics and the different things that are implied with it. And then after that, we made another series that was made by the Fédération des Femmes du Québec. And that was completely another thing because they were trying to prepare their year reunion from the feminists all over Quebec. And I think it was all over Canada, maybe too. So they were really in a much more complex, up-to-date reflections about what's going on with feminism today. And it could show in a way that UPOP was able to do also some very complex thinking about these kind of topics. That for me shows how broad can the classes be. We also have, let's say, uh, on economics, we realize that when we do some series on economy, there's lots of people. It's the most popular classes. We sometimes have up to 100 person in, in little bars because they want to know how does it work? How does speculation work, for example? So we did also this big series where all the basic concepts were talked about. There were different teachers coming each week to talk about a different thinker or a different concept. And we had everything from Marx to Rawls. And they also talked about, as I said, the system of speculation and the role of the state in the economy and everything. So that is our most popular series. And that's why we keep doing these series on economy. And I think each session we have at least one class that talks about it. In sciences, well, we have this series that has been going on, which is called the Cerveau à tous les niveaux, which is like the brain on all levels. It's a guy who's a specialist of the brain, and he created a website, which is called the brain on all levels, the Cerveau à tous les niveaux, and he's explaining the brain in all the ways he can. Tell me a bit more about the people that you get to do the teaching. Mostly it's professional teachers. It's people from the CEGEP or from the universities. Or if it's not, it's students who are doing masters and PhDs. The format of the UPOP, because there's also other popular universities that are quite different from the one we are doing, 
Arif is really close to a universitarian type of knowledge. So you have these universités populaires, these popular universities that are more like, how can you help people who don't know how to read or stuff like that? And this is not exactly how EPUB goes. It's more like trying to go with more complex knowledge and discussing about ideas on the world and stuff like that. So it's not better from the other one. It's not worse. It's only a different world. And that's why, of course, it appealed to teachers to come because there's some stuff they want to say. Usually they have lots of knowledge that they have accumulated through years that they cannot really give in their classes, in their institution because they need to follow programs or stuff like that. And so this is the place where they can come with all this knowledge and give it the way they always wanted to give it and have the opportunity not to have to do, you know, exams about it and stuff like that. We also have journalists, we also have writers, artists, usually professionals from their uh, field of work. But it's, of course, open. It's just that we realize that it appeals more to teachers. And give me a sense of who comes to the classes, who attends them. We have a lot of different people. Of course, because of the way UPOP is, as I was just telling you, usually it appeals to more people who already went to school a lot and people who already know a few things about the subject that is going to be talked about. That's not necessarily our objective. We would really love to have UPOP filled with everybody. But we realize when we see who comes that we are more with an educated crowd. But not only, there's a lot of people who sometimes you can reach because of a specific subject. Like we once had this class about getting old and dying in the city, what it meant to get old in the city. And suddenly this subject, of course, appealed to a number of persons that just had the fact of being old in their little baggage to come to UPUP. And it was really interesting to finally be able to talk with these persons and listen to them. And I think slowly but surely UPUP is widening its audience. And also, you know, a difficulty is how do you make publicity for yourself? how you can reach people and tell them there's this class going on and it's there and it's at that time and everything. It's really difficult. It's expensive. So you mentioned that at the beginning, the funding for UPOP came from the student organizations that the founders had been involved with. How has that changed as UPOP has become its own independent entity? Where does the funding come from now? It has been, and it is still a hard fight to get the money to have UPUP running. We still have a few student organizations that stuck with us, but that doesn't amount for a lot, of course. So what we're trying to do is that we're trying to find special project money that sometimes either the government or the city has in little envelopes some places where Actually, they want a specific implication in the city or they want a specific implication on a subject. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what works the best because up to now, we have been unable to find some core funding here in Quebec. It doesn't really exist. It's like our project is not enough artistical to be considered artistic and it's not pedagogical enough in order for it to be considered like education. So we're between two chairs, and it's really hard to get core funding. So what we do is we find projects 
like envelope for projects. So let's say not a long time ago, the Plateau Mont-Royal, so it's a neighborhood in Montreal, the city had an envelope to develop a project. They wanted to see some people be able to see what the composition of the neighborhood. So what we did is that we proposed them a class that we would do where at the same time that we would give the class on urbanism, we decided to mix that with the idea of trying to talk with people and trying to see who they were and why they were there and why they were in the neighborhood and everything. So doing that, the neighborhood, the Plateau Montréal, accepted to give us some money that we used to prepare the class, but at the same time, they could get something out of it, which was a sondage where they could learn more about who was on their territory and what was their situation and stuff like that. So it's kind of a way of funding ourselves with specific projects. Another example is that we are trying to do a new course on health and society. So we went to University of, uh, I think it's Concordia or University of Montréal, I'm not so sure. And we realized that the Department of Santé de Concordia, I think, they have an envelope because they want some knowledge about day-to-day health to go to pass through the population. So because they're in the university, they think a lot, they do a lot, uh, they research a lot, but they sometimes need and want to find ways to talk to, you know, the common people. So what we're doing is that we're going to build the class. We're going to build a class where we're going to use some knowledge that they want to get through. And for that, they're going to fund us. Earlier in the interview, you were talking about the courses and how the courses work. One of the points that you made is that you aim to create a space for critical conversation, but also a space that's safe for conversation. Tell me a little bit about what you do to create that kind of space. There's at least two ways to do that. The first one is to prepare the teachers because, of course, if you come to UPOP and you're going to talk about uh, the whales, there shouldn't be any problem about being safe. But if you come to UPOP and you want to talk about feminism, well, you know there's a lot of tension sometimes, not only between feminists and other group of society, but sometimes between feminists themselves. So what we do is we try to prepare the teacher. Usually teachers, they know a lot about it. And if you are a feminist, you know a lot about it, that the subjects are hot and sometimes difficult. But also what we do is that there's always somebody from UPOP at each session. We never let the teacher alone. And we always make sure that this person from UPOP acts like a mediator. So we make sure that everybody can talk. If we need, sometimes we do alternate between men and women talk and stuff like that, just to make sure that everybody feels comfortable, that everybody feels he can talk if he wants or not talk if he doesn't want. We never record our class because we don't want people to feel that they are observed or stuff like that. So, yeah, that's how we're trying to make the place as safe and as sure as possible so that everybody feels that they can come for what they want and that they won't feel bad about not knowing stuff or having some particular point of view on stuff. Draw together why you think it's important that something like UPOP exists. What does it bring to the community? There's at least three reasons that I can think of quickly. The first one is critical thought, which means we're in an era where people are really separated 
and where there's not much left of a public space and media are everywhere and are really powerful. And I think that something like UPLAP gives the opportunity to people to get out of this, to see that there's alternate thinking and make an idea for themselves. So it's like giving tools, right? I think that this is the most important part of UPAP, which is, for one, not to say to people what they should think, but give them, maybe if we can, I don't know I don't know if we can give this, but trying to give them the opportunity to think for themselves and to be critic. I think that's maybe the most important thing about it. The other thing is, it's knowledge. It's about giving knowledge. And, you know, we're in a moment where we're trying to make a product out of knowledge. We're selling it. We're trying to make it rentable. So I think this idea that knowledge is free and accessible, I think this is also very important. And the last thing is it's to bring people together. It's to make them be at some place where they're not alone and where they can talk and where they can express themselves and not only quickly on internet anonymously. This is also a very important factor. And of course, we would like that these three ideas and these three attitudes, we would like them to be like everywhere. We know we are pretty small and we know it's almost as if we were doing it for the idea of it because sometimes people who come to UPUC, they are not necessarily the people who need these things the most because they already know that. So we know there's a part of us that is very romantical or maybe ideological, but I think it's important that we do it anyway just to make these ideas present just so that people can realize it's possible, just so that people can see it can be seen in this way and not only in the way that society wants us to see it, which is to stay everybody in our houses and to listen to TV, right? So I think it's a humble organization, but I think the ideas at its core are very important and precious. We're continuing what we've been doing best since the five past years, which is to propose these classes and to be able to bring people together and talk about different subjects. So this is going to continue. And as UPUB gets more and more renowned, it becomes easier, which means we already have lots of teachers and subjects that people want to present. So we know for sure that for the next years, UPUB is going to continue this. But also we're trying to develop new partnerships we're trying to develop new ways of presenting classes and new places to present them. It's not easy, of course, because everybody at UPAP is beneficial, so everybody has a complete other job at the same time. But we can feel, and it's been there since the beginning, that UPAP wants to get bigger. So there's a new partnership being developed, and we hope we're going to find the time and the money to make them happen. You have been listening to my interview with Etienne Lepage, an organizer with UPOP Montreal, a grassroots, community-based, free Université Populaire. To learn more about their work, go to upopmontreal.com. That's all one word, upopmontreal.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.